What's up, fam, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers Podcast, episode 123. Chris and James recorded this episode on Monday, January 31st. I am just uh, doing the intro because they had a little technical difficulty, so we will catch up with them in a couple of minutes, uh, talking about Park Pokemon, Parkemon, Pokemon Arshoes, Arshoes, Arshoe, I'm pretty sure I'm don't dispute me. That's exactly how you say it. I'm, I'm positive. Anywho, um, they talked about on this episode, besides Pokemon Archu, um, Chris played a little Halo Infinite, some Inscription, which I can't wait to hear about, and Loop Hero, which also I can't wait to hear about. And then James talked a little bit about Nobody Saves the World, which is a new game from the Guacamelee developers that's, whose name is escaping me at this point in time. But um, and then they got into some news talking about Sony acquiring Bungie, um, the New York Times acquiring Wordle, which I don't know about y'all, but I'm kind of disappointed by that. I just like going to that one website and then it being right there, but I can't blame the dude for probably getting enough money to retire for the rest of his life for developing Wordle, which is awesome. Um, they also talk about the Bloodborne D-Make, the PS1 um, kind of remake that uh, came out on PC. It's the first few hours of the game. And then Nomura talking about Final Fantasy VII Part Two um, is going to be announced at some point this year. And then they got a new mostly normal question. So if you want to be part of this conversation or want to shoot us a mostly normal question, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at MN Gamers Podcast. You can also email us at podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com and go check out our website there, mostlynormalgamers.com. I think Angie's working on revamping it sometime soon. You can also shoot us a text or voicemail to 507-291-2991. Um... If you want to talk about what I've been playing before I shoot you over to James and Chris, I've been almost done with the Astral Chain. It is very good. Um, it's a little bit longer than I think it needed to be, but um, I'm almost done with it. I'm still having a really good time with it. You can hear me talk more in depth about it with episode 122, and then I'm probably maybe halfway into Hellblade, something like that. I just unlocked the first two gates and then crossed over the bridge for those of you who have played it you might know what that means so however far that means i am also a good game um that is kind of intense it gets a little bit spooky from time to time so anywho with that i will shoot you over to chris and james take it over chris and james perfect um so polygon.com crash my computer but Per an article there, Arceus, and um, I do want to hear some of your thoughts that I didn't get to hear while I was in the <laughs> space. Yes, well, I, I was. <laughs> what I was saying to myself was that uh, I, I really like Pokemon. I've been following it ever since. Like, I mean, I've played it since Red and Blue, and uh, it was a huge. Uh, uh, I don't know, a huge deal to me growing up. And I would always imagine what the first like 3D Pokemon game would be and and how we would like run around the wild. You just see them and throw Pokeballs. And and you know what? This game nails it. This game nails that feeling of just like there are Pokemon everywhere and they're dangerous. Uh, I'm not a huge, 
huge fan of some of like the like the story that they're trying to put into it. Honestly, yeah. they could get rid of that and I'd still be fine <laughs> with it. Um, there are some definite graphical issues. However, okay. it's a Pokemon game. I'm looking at I'm looking at finding cartoon animals and stuffing them in my 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 balls and <laughs> battling other cartoon animals. So it, it doesn't bother me. It is never once detracted. There's been one moment where I was like, "Ooh, that that was a bad, bad choice there. But other than that, <laughs> and the only other complaints I would have are some design choices. Your professor in this game is <laughs> he's, he's oh. wearing a purple toque. With a chin strap the what's, whole time. Uh, what's man's name? Do we have a Laventon? I think is it, but it's yeah, he's uh, he's got this dopey like he's dressed nice in a waistcoat, uh, a bow tie, a lab coat over top of it. And then oh, this wow, dopey yeah. <laughs> toque. And I just can't get over it. That... <laughs> it's just this guy has so much going on, repping the bow tie, repping the good looking like adventuring boots that look like era appropriate. Yeah. And then um, just a very strange hat. <laughs> right, I don't get it. I just Would want him to take it off. I want to see what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. I want him to have a, a big poofy set of hair that is reminiscent of this poof ball on it. Yes. Oh my god. Or if he pulls it off and it's just a hole in the toque and that's his hair. Anyway. <laughs> it's actually a really big headband. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, uh, I want to hear... So I too am a lifelong Pokemon fan like from Red and Blue. I think arguably like this is the first reinvention of the wheel when it comes to the formula in a way that I don't think, I think you could argue X and Y are 3d, right? Like, yeah, I don't like, I, and trust me, I love X and Y and sword and shield. I've been pretty strong on, but I feel like this is what, when I pictured Pokemon on the switch and I have not played it, but just like in watching videos and like seeing people's tweets about it, this is what, when you think like next gen Pokemon looks like, um, are there any like wild stories that have happened to you while you're out hunting these monsters down? I, my understanding is in the lore now that the Pokemon themselves shrink and fit into the Pokeballs instead of the Pokeballs having some sort of mechanism that shrinks them. (laughs) That is Twitter has been a gold mine for stuff on this game. um, That just like tantalizes me and makes me want to play it so much worse. Um, But I'm I'm curious, like any wild adventuring stories that you want to share. There hasn't been a ton my way. I noticed a few. I I do love, uh, I think, I don't think this is a huge spoiler, but there is, in the first area, typically in a Pokemon game, you get uh, a bird Pokemon and a rodent Pokemon. That's pretty standard. They're both like kind of normal types. However, in this game, while you do get that, you also get a Drifloom popping up all the time. Like they're everywhere. And it's cool to have like a ghost Pokemon in your party from like the very beginning. And, uh, and they do a, like there's so many little story elements to like, uh, not story, sorry, side quests or requests. 
and they're far more interesting than anything in the actual like story of the game so like i remember one it was like oh people want me to look into like this drift loom that has been like playing with this child down by the river or oh. and i was like oh because pokemon lore has said drift loon kidnaps children yeah and i've actually heard that i don't and i was like where. oh my god this is amazing so i i immediately went and did that and I, you have to go down at like the evening or near nighttime and you go down to the river and this kid is like you can hear them and you go around they're like hiding behind a shed or something and I remember like the first thing the kid does, he looks at you with the drift loom looming behind him and he goes, um, can you help me? And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> oh man. It was so good. I, I just love, I love that aspect of it. Like they're really playing with the lore a lot, yeah. but everybody who's laughing about the, the Pokemon have an innate ability to shrink. They are called pocket monsters. Pokemon I don't know, is like a contraction. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> my mind is expanding you know <laughs> but yes I, <laughs> it's it's been a blast like i've just i barely put it down for the last couple days awesome and my understanding is like the main goal is just completion of the pokedex and it's not as straightforward as just catching them all and you have to like do some sub sort of sub quests or like small like milestones that you have to hit in order to actually fill out the pokedex entry yeah, like basically the um, essentially you be, you join the the Gala team Galaxy and you're part of their survey core, and uh, when you uh, when, like when you start the game, you have one message essentially on your screen and it just says seek out all Pokemon. Okay. And so yeah, and you're building your Pokedex, and it's cool because when you find a Pokemon. It doesn't just like log or like, even if you catch it, it doesn't just log in a Pokedex entry. You have to like do things with it. You have to engage with those types of Pokemon in order to like get more information. And only once it's fully filled out, um, do you get like their bl blurb of information. So you have to do like one of like 10. Typically, it's like battle them several times, see uh, them perform a certain move, watch them evolve, stuff like that. And so wow. that starts to fill out the Pokédex. So you actually have to do a degree of research, which is changes like the way you like uh, address catching Pokémon because you catch them so fast in this game. It mm. changes kind of the flow of like I'm not just like throwing balls and catching them. Now I have to actually like see them do stuff beyond. Uh, so yeah, battling them. It's it's cool. I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's a it's a huge shakeup though. Like all of the moves are doing different things. Status effects oh, aren't, really? yeah, status effects aren't the same anymore. Uh, that one threw me through a loop. I have, instead of like hypnosis, instead of putting your Pokemon to sleep, it makes them drowsy. So maybe they don't attack and they bump down the initiative order essentially. So they might not attack as much. And then like uh, paralysis does something similar. And I'm not sure if like, how they interact like they seem like the same effect um yeah because i suppose that's what paralysis did in the old games right is it slowed yeah. the pokemon down it like cut your speed in half and then it made it a coin flip on whether or not you actually get to attack yeah so it's it's been a a real like it's it's like playing pokemon for the first time for me like i'm just like oh what does this do and oh what does this do and oh i'm i'm figuring out things as i go and uh, I mean, the Pokemon pool 
and the attack base is much smaller. So I think there's, I think that's it for a good reason. I think it's, it allows us to experiment with the, this small batch. And uh, I think going forward, I would like to see another game, hopefully a little bit higher in the graphics, but uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be much. I just polish out some of the rough edges and then um, I just like to see a new like handful of Pokemon that we haven't dealt with in this sort of environment. Yeah. I, I'm really hopeful, you know, one thing, like I'm sometimes big into the competitive battling scene. Um, and I was disappointed to see that there's no like versus combat based, uh, multiplayer battles and that there's just trading. And a friend of mine was really optimistic. It was like, Oh, maybe they'll like add it in later on. And I was like, have you met Nintendo before? (laughs) Um, but, uh, maybe in like a future one, there'll be some of these like really dynamic looking Pokemon battles, or maybe I just have to go find Pokemon battles, uh, in the more mainline games. And I don't know, I, I hope with the positive reception that this has gotten, I hope they continue maybe in either this as like a parallel path of Pokemon or, or, you know, use this as kind of like the springboard to really push the series forward. Um, I hope they take the reviews because the reviews have been pretty much glowing, if not at least overall positive as a sign that like people want this innovation in a Pokemon game. I certainly do. Um, Even though I do love like the classic slow rock, paper, scissors stuff that I can get through like shoddybattle.com, whatever it's called on the emulator, Uh, not emulator. Anyways. Yeah. uh, Like I said, mashed potato brain today. Um, It's all good. That's so rad. The other game is also, I mean, technically I already have it because of Game Pass, but I'm so curious to hear about Nobody Saves the World as well, because that's like something I would really love as well. Yeah, no, it's I've been playing uh, a bit on Game Pass. I actually found out that I can play it on my uh, my, my Mac because um, um, my eldest child told me that I was able to do that. So uh, my that's incredible. <laughs> finally, you my some wisdom. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh yeah, I have to play it on my phone all the time, and and they're like, no, you don't. You just play it on. They're like, I play it on my Mac all the time. I was like, what, really? And they're like, yeah. Just open up a Chrome browser and you can do it. And so sure enough. So I've been playing Nobody Saves the World on my Mac <laughs> through Game Pass. And uh, it's been a blast. It's like a top-down kind of Zelda stylized game. But uh, you play as a nobody, literally nobody. You wake up with amnesia and uh, find out that the town's wizard has been kidnapped. Um, and you take one of his wands to go save him. And this wand allows you to transform into various characters. Mm-hmm. And the way it's like, it's very like kind of, I don't know if it's, I know world of Warcraft has that sort of, um, you unlock quests and you do quests and it gets that feeling of like that dopamine rush of like, I've completed this quest well, in right, this right. way, in this format, every time you complete a quest, you unlock something. It gives you something. It's either a new power, it's either a new character you can transform into, or it's some sort of currency that you need to progress the game. And then it unlocks two more objectives for you to do. Oh, boy. And so it just keeps like, like steamrolling, like snowballing and snowballing. And like, I'm just like, I've got all these characters. They're really fun and interesting to be. And I just got to a point where you can take like all of their powers and kind of mix and match them. 
so cool it's like oh yeah like and then certain enemies are have like a shield versus certain um types of abilities so you need to hit them with that type first to break the shield and then you have to keep hitting them and then there's these dungeon crawls and it's just it's a fantastic little game i found uh so many like little homages to previous like video games that have come before it uh i found a town that's a like a uh, a clear (laughs) nod to fallout um i found uh there's like a weapon shop or no it was a thieves guild and uh in the thieves guild they have all these weapons of famous video game and comic characters like they've got uh guts's sword from berserk they've got um the uh one of the xenoblade uh chronicles character sword uh he was in the, the the guy from smash brothers he was in smash um oh uh, i can't think of his name for the, he, you can get the shirtless version but they have oh, his Shulk. sword on the shelf yes that's, that's the one yeah sorry uh, his uh, my brain's like sword user in smash bros <laughs> who could it be but then you said shirtless everyone knows shirtless shelf yeah, shirtless there you go yeah i, I knew <laughs> i knew if i t- tossed out the topless character from <laughs> smash um but yeah no it's it's just been it was it's been a blast it's just like it's very tongue-in-cheek um and uh very colorful and uh it's really smart like the way like the the way you progress like i was i just threw it on because i was interested i heard the it's drinkbox studio that does this game and i knew they did the guacamole games and i had a friend that uh swore by the guacamole game so i was like you know what i'll give them a shot and uh i have i've not been disappointed it's really cool to see the way that uh drink boxes kind of jumped from genre to genre i really loved guacamole while i never got around to playing two but i have it on my switch uh for a rainy day when i need a metroidvania and then um they also did severed which was originally um a vita game and i ended up getting it i think on uh, ios or something when it came out um, which is like a dungeon crawler classic, like square by square uh, exploration thing that relies a lot on touchscreen combat. Um, didn't click with this as much, but I just love to see them experimenting and like pushing into new genres. Uh, it's reminiscent of like what I like uh, the folks who do the SteamWorld games for. Mm. Um, Thunderful is the publisher now, but I can't think of the name of the developers. Uh, that's so cool. I need to clear some games out of the way first but that's on my list uh near the top (laughs) um that's so exciting i i just love the idea of like mixing and matching the abilities and uh i don't know i saw a picture of a horse shooting an arrow and i was like oh cool i understand why this game is fun (laughs) yes oh it's yeah it's it's been a blast even um my partner was watching and they were like this is this is incredible (laughs) that's cool it's just it's, awesome. it's just so colorful and, and i think that's that's what really draws me to it is the character yeah. design and everything is just really well um well drawn and you just get sucked up into this world and you just want to see what happens next that's very promising and yeah, yeah the the art style's like pretty spectacular um speaking of game pass Wow, Halo Infinite sure is a video game. Um, <laughs> so I mostly played Halo Infinite this last week when I was uh, trying to play some games. I uh, ended up getting really caught up. They have a limited time game mode right now in multiplayer called Attrition, 
Um, and if it's anything like the previous like limited events where you get special equipment, this is for like their neon inspired sort of like cyberpunk. It's all like pink and blue hues and mohawks and uh, stuff like that. Um, event that I think ends tomorrow. Um, but they have this game mode called Attrition, which is new to me. I don't know if it, I, I think they had something similar in Halo 5 for a while where you have a limited pool of lives for your team. Um, and so as people die, you go through 12 lives. And then once you're down and out of lives, I think you have eight backup lives, whatever. Um, I think you can die a total of 12 times. Once you're down to the last four lives, as your teammates are eliminated, they get a little respawn beacon that you can go and try and respawn them at. Um, it just ratchets the tension up like almost to SWAT levels, if you're familiar with SWAT, or I think they're calling it Tactical Slayer in this Halo. And um, the most sweaty players I have ever seen. <laughs> like, all of the other playlists when I was jumping in them to play Halo this weekend were much, like, easier than they had felt. And I think it's because everyone who wanted to sweat super hard about playing Halo just losing attrition. But it is so much fun. Um, I was able to pull a buddy of mine in on Discord, and he played on PC, and I played on the Xbox. And we just, like, I don't know. Mostly got our asses kicked. Um, <laughs> there were some just dismayingly bad one-sided matches in this game, which I think is really cool. It makes me wish that they would um, do some better matchmaking but um i hope that they add it as a permanent game mode um i think it's really dynamic and stressful and it like adds a tension to halo that i think like in the best moments you don't want in halo because i think halo multiplayer can be really playful and like goofy but in this instance i think it was like a really great way to like freshen up a game that's been out for two months or three months at this point almost and um it felt like a, a brand new thing in a game that's been out since, I mean, technically November for the multiplayer. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I, I've not played a ton of the multiplayer. The ones I did was like the keep. I always ended up playing that keep away game with the skull. Oh, oddball. Yeah. And, and that was always entertaining. And I, I found out because I, I was playing on my phone at the time that uh, I was never good at shooting anybody. So I just grabbed the, the skull and just run. And just run as far, like, avoid anybody I could because shooting, like, aiming and shooting on my phone was just a pain in the ass. But you could just yeah. zip line around, and it, it was, I always had a blast doing that. But yeah, it's nice to know that they've already started building in new, lim like, li I know it's popular for those, these kind of games to do limited time modes, but mm -hmm. uh, I've always been for, for, like, just leave them. Just, you know what? There's always going to be an audience for them. So I get like the excitement of them being limited, but keep them in the game. Let let people keep, play the uh, in the game the style they want to play. I think is what I'm trying to say. For sure, and I'm hopeful because the last like limited time event they did was a game mode called Fiesta, which like anyone with a history with Halo multiplayer knows. You just spawn in with random weapons and <laughs> go to war, and it's incredibly incredibly fast time because a lot of people just have rocket launchers um and they introduced it as a limited time mode tied to these unlockables as like a special mini battle pass but then added it as its own full mode after the fact in infinite 
And so I'm really hoping that they'll do that with attrition <laughs> um, because I would just love this pattern of like, here's a new game mode in a special event where you're going to earn some cool, I'm using air quotes, uh, <laughs> cool looking uh, equipment to put on your character to like, you know, have a special visor or something. And then now everyone knows how to play this game mode because everyone's grinding it out or the equipment or whatever. And now you can just have it at any time. Um, here's hoping. Um, speaking of grinding out stuff, I did finish, um, they have like a set of weekly challenges that if you complete, you get a special skin or, uh, you know, sort of cosmetic thing tied to it. And, uh, so I have a yellow shotgun now because I finished the weeklies. Um, but that tells like, I normally, I don't come anywhere near that as far as I can tell. And so that tells you how much I got into attrition. Um, outside of that, uh, since I was on the show last, I, uh, played through inscription i don't want to say too much because it's a very spoilable game and i would just strongly encourage everyone if you have any interest in card games at all to immediately play that game um i haven't finished it at all but um full of surprises and if i had gotten this far into it in 2021 would have been on the goatee list um, oh just even like mechanically and then also like narrative and surprise like it all like perfectly coalesces into this like magic feeling special small thing um that's bigger on the inside like in doctor who this this is uh, the that's the uh it's the deck builder game where you're also trapped in a room yes okay i don't even okay. want to say that much more about it okay um, that's it, that's yeah, all so i got a... gleaned from the commercial or the trailers for it when it was coming out, so. Yeah, so if you have, like, any history with card games that you've enjoyed, like, full-on 100% recommendation, and I would even recommend it to people who maybe don't like those things because of the narrative surprises that it has, mm. but you have to be willing to play through the card game to get to any of that stuff. Not any of it, but, like, it's the gameplay. Um, I'll check it out. I think it's on Android and PC right now. And oh then, shoot maybe i won't check that out. <laughs> well it's on steam and epic game store and stuff so i don't know if it's being there, i'll take a look but, um lastly played a little bit more loop hero it's one of those games where it's so much of like you can just tell that it's a time waster type feeling to it but it has its hooks in my brain um are you familiar with that game at all uh, a little bit uh, I know I have friends that <laughs> talk my ear off about it, but I yeah. I have not played it myself. I've watched a bit of it on stream, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, for people listening, if they don't know, it's kind of a unique game where you're basically a little hero on a path and uh, you stop time. And as you complete fights on this path uh, that you automatically walk down, it's it's you either pause the action or unpause the action. It's got a planning and an action phase, um, and that's controlled by the player. Um, you're collecting tiles, and you place tiles around this path in order to earn new tiles and generate new types of monsters to fight and unlock hidden pieces of story. Um, and different combinations of tiles together will generate special things. So there's been some kind of cool surprises um, in just like, oh, I put this library or whatever next to this vampire mansion, and all of a sudden a whole new enemy type's coming out. Um, spoiler alert, it's a vampire with a book. Um, but 
it they tie in narrative stuff into those special creatures appearing, which I think is really interesting. Um, anyways, I, it's all of the parts of an equipment grind with none of the combat you would associate with that because it is all automatic and you're just equipping equipment and placing tiles. And so you're just trying to optimize your build. And the optimize your build part feeds directly into the part of my brain that likes video games. So um, it's been a fun thing to pick up on Switch and just like spend a half hour doing one run and try and bring some stuff back to camp to upgrade things. Um, I don't know that it's like a slam slam dunk for me, um, especially since I'm not getting drawn into it to like finish out or see the narrative through. It just feels kind of like a mechanical exercise at this point. But it's, it's a nice, nice game to plug away at when you got some time. Yeah, which I should be plugging away at Dragon Quest Twelve, so I <laughs> put that down. But um, that's how uh, playing video games goes in twenty twenty two, I guess. Um, I think it's time to jump into the news. What a surprise that we're recording on a Monday and some massive news drops. Like, how rare is it to get a just massive news explosion uh, like that of Bungie joining the PlayStation family, as it's worded in the Sony Interactive Entertainment blog, SIE.blog uh, post from Jim Ryan, who's the president and CEO of Sony. Um, very they've struck an agreement for i don't remember the exact dollar amount uh 3.6 billion dollars to buy the once halo and xbox exclusive bungie uh now makers of destiny uh to join the playstation family um what do you think about this as a playstation owner and as a gamer in general uh, my first immediate thought was isn't it funny how bungie has bungied out of being owned by microsoft being independent for a few years and sprung right back into being owned by somebody it's fascinating <laughs> and you know during that independent streak they had such a long relationship with activision under that exclusivity for the development of bungie that or geez the development of destiny um that uh, they seem to to pair off really quickly. Um, although I think it's been a year or two of them being fully independent on Destiny Two. Yeah, um, I think I think you're right on that. The um, I'm not a huge Destiny player. Actually, I haven't played a ton of Bungie games. I actually went through their their catalog just to see what else we'd have access to, and it's not like there's some obscure stuff. Uh, it's mostly just Halo and Destiny. Um, I think there was like those are the two two huge ones. Yeah. Um, I think technically there's some like Halo pseudo prequels that are um, from the Mac era. Like they used to be a Mac developer. Oh yeah. But yeah, I, I think they had. Remember. Yeah, I think you're right because they had like Operation Desert Storm or something like that, and it's like a top down like tank. There's like nothing on that game on the internet. <laughs> so difficult to find um but yeah no I, I i do i did read that they're staying like multi-platform so they're still gonna be servicing games on 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 all uh consoles um it's nice to see them get um 
uh, I guess I don't know. It's it's a nice to see that it's going to be like a, a they've made a games of service game that's going to be on all platforms, so everybody still gets to share in the like a share in that that fun. It kind of reminds me of that Mojang purchase with um, Minecraft when Xbox right. picked up Mojang. They're still making Minecraft for every platform so it kind of it seems like a parallel there more so than an activision blizzard parallel right and i'm curious like the extent to which future ip is exclusive to sony it's was worded kind of differently than you know we'll honor all agreements the way that they say with uh the xbox acquisitions of yeah um pre-existing contracts for Activision and for Bethesda. But um, I'm really curious to see, like, you know, obviously it seems like they're going to keep Destiny on everything, but, you know, what happens with, uh, yeah, will my platform still be supported? It says in this Bungie FAQ posted um, Destiny to our shared vision from Joe Blackburn and Justin Truman. Um, so I think it's, re- like, re- promising to see that continued support, like you were saying, for the multi-platforms. Um, and I have some degree of an expectation that uh, maybe some future IP will be more restricted, but it, I think in the terms of the agreement that they discussed publicly, um, that they're going to maintain kind of independence for publishing and stuff too, which I think is interesting. Yeah. How do you feel about acquisitions in general? Like with all of this game, these major game companies making all these acquisitions in the last couple of years, it's been, it kind of feels like, these big companies are just kind of grouping the whole industry under their umbrellas. And it, it, it I don't know if, I don't know how I feel about it, to be I, honest. Um, I personally think competition is really important. And um, this gets a little bit like oligopoly powers. I was an econ major and I, but that was 10 years ago. Um, where there's just, a couple really major yeah a state of limited competition in which the market is shared by a small number of producers or sellers um in general i'm highly skeptical and concerned about media conglomeration across the board um these these recent game acquisitions especially as a person who's a game pass subscriber who has used xbox as their primary system since 360 um unless you can count Nintendo stuff as my primary system, but that's always a murky discussion anyways. Um, Like even with those wins for me as an Xbox player, I, my skin crawls and it reminds me of Disney acquiring Marvel, Lucasfilm, Fox, like it's hitting two separate parts of my brain. It's hitting Chris as a big nerd and wants all of his friends to play together in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I get endorphins from that, from the idea that the X-Men and Spider-Man and Captain America will all be together on screen in this analogy slash real world example. (laughs) While simultaneously, I'm like, wow, Disney owns literally the majority of the movies that I watch at this point. And it's very concerning. Um, I, you can look at, the top selling block box office in this analogy. I, I'm worried that that I don't love it is the okay. short answer. 
Uh, because the the other thing that always like sits in the back of my mind is what what about the developers? So just come with me for a few seconds here. If a developer say, you know how the industry can fluctuate so violently, if they lose their job at one of these companies, they can't just jump back into the pool of hundreds of other game developers if they're all under that, like half of their options could be under that same umbrella that they just got released from. Yeah, that's something too, especially with all of the push for like labor organizing that's happening. Like if there were any negative consequences to come of that, or like, you know, say the QA folks at Raven in a, an example, like really do like get fed up with not having their union recognized um, and say like, I need to step out. Well, now most of Microsoft is probably not a part of your options that cuts off a huge part of the different development studios that you have. Um, yeah, no, that's just, these are the sort of things that sit in the back of my mind. And I, I don't pretend that I'm smart enough to know all the answers, but I do uh, appreciate the industry for what they have given me for <laughs> all of these years. So I, I, I I, my heart goes out to all these people that are going to be struggling with this sort of uh, these acquisitions. It's not a good time for everyone. So I just want to make sure that <laughs> we yeah. uh, take a, take a step back and maybe look at how the games are made because I just, I want to make sure that the games are being made. Um, uh, I guess I don't know how I'm trying to say this. Um, you want free range, ethically sourced games. Yeah, that's a, that's what I want. <laughs> uh, you want fair trade games. Yeah. Uh, well, from yeah, and it's just like workers. One hundred percent. I want. I want people. I want the games created by people who love working for the companies that they're. I know that the industry is filled with terrible people, but what industry isn't? Uh, games is in the media, so it's really easy to see this. And yeah. uh, so it, it's one of those things where it's like, I want to know that I'm not paying for crunch. I want to know that I'm not paying for uh, inequality. You know, what I, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. <laughs> are, you, are you picking up what I'm putting down here? <laughs> it is picked up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Speaking of consolidation in the game space, the next story comes from the man who created Wordle himself, Josh Wardle, over on Twitter, tweeted out an update on Wordle and then had a uh, picture note saying that he has sold it to New York Times Games, where it will remain free to play for everyone and working to preserve wins and streaks. Um, person reporting over at Polygon, it sounds like uh, low seven figures for the sale of Wordle. Um, all I know about Wordle is two things. One, it's a word game. Two, it gets posted on Twitter all the time. James, have you delved into the world of Wordle at all? Oh yeah, I've been playing. <laughs> I've been playing it for a while. I don't. I don't post it to Twitter every day. I mostly just send it um, back and forth uh, to my partner who also plays it. So, um, I, yeah, that's. I don't know. <laughs> now it's. I, I'm kind of like 
burnt burnt by it. So I was like, ah, I, don't, I don't know if I'll, maybe I'll just play Gary Wood as Loodle. For... Loodle. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gary tweeted out a short video animation uh, in implying as a joke that Pornhub had bought Loodle. <laughs> um, which that was a weird thing to see on Twitter. But um, for me, like in this, Josh talks about how hard it is to support a game that's gotten this big as one developer. And he did not anticipate in his scoping for it to be this big of a thing. Um, And he actually talked a little bit about um, quoting from the note, I've long admired New York Times approach to their games with respect to the way they treat their players. Their values are aligned with mine on these matters and I'm thrilled that they'll be the stewards of the game moving forward. Um, I know a number of people really love the New York Times crossword and think it's like a very good crossword app and game inter like the game of the crossword they have is is a very well managed and and good one. And so um I think with these more like mass market games, I think that's a really interesting avenue for it to have gone. Mm-hmm. Um while simultaneously, you know, I don't know how long it stays free to play because a whole part of the New York Times games is that you you need to be a subscriber to access some of them as far as I understand. That that was my major concern. But uh, you know what? Honestly, if I had made a game and uh, (laughs) I was the sole person behind it and New York Times wanted to buy my game for a low seven figures, that's an odd (laughs) statement to say, low seven figures. Yeah, let me uh, let me. I'm I'm at a like when four figures is a high for me. (laughs) Anyway, um, (laughs) I would sell it in a heartbeat. I don't. (laughs) Are you kidding me? This is, Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it's over at Polygons. (laughs) In the headline quote, (laughs) quote, oh, low seven figures. Uh, the the world of games acquisitions for you. Yeah. the running story of 2022, at least for January. I'll say um, congratulations, Josh. That was <laughs> good game. I, I've really enjoyed it. It's been fun. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's definitely a win for him. I hope it ends up being a win for like maintaining that game for people who love it, like you. And um, I've put off getting into it because uh, I was very bad with blaze ball and checking it all the time at work, and I just don't have the bandwidth to do that at my new job. So. Uh, web browser based games and i uh do not get along well in terms mm-hmm. of paying attention to my job um the most exciting news of the day for me is um a small indie project i've been following uh for a couple of years ever since it got announced called bloodborne just came out on pc have you heard of this game bloodborne james i have heard about this game this happens to be one of my favorite Soulsborne. are you telling me i can play it on pc now um so uh, my joke aside i i have been following the bloodborne psx d make uh which is from uh lilith walther uh who is uh on twitter at b zero t s t e r um and this had a a trailer that i saw online of uh kind of conceptualizing what would it be like to demake 
Bloodborne into a PlayStation 1 game. And so um, today, uh, as Ash Parish over at The Verge reports, uh, Bloodborne is finally on PC in the form of a neat PS make. Um, I immediately, once I got uh, back to my house and onto the computer, uh, downloaded it from the itch.io page where it's posted um, just because you got to get these demakes and remakes of uh, beloved games before they get DMCA takedown hits. Um, but uh, it just looks like Lilith has done like a spectacular job of imagining this game in a PlayStation context. Um, I remember her showing, I believe her pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I re- remember just seeing like uh, the stats page just being like a wall of numbers. And I was like, ah, this is a Souls game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I it just, I'm excited because I've never played Bloodborne and I imagine yeah. that it will, I think the PSX make will run better on my gaming PC than my copy on disc on my original PS4 will run. And so I want to get my feet wet by playing the D-Make first, hopefully. That's funny. That's it's honestly, I, I fell in love with the Souls game since uh, Demon Souls. I found I, my buddy told me to pick it up. I grabbed it in a Walmart bargain bin and uh, I've been in love with them ever since. But, so since like the 2009 yeah, Demon's Souls? Yeah, the original oh. Demon Souls, uh, which is like, I think Kingsfield what is like the predecessor to it it had like the start of like that that mentality but demons souls is the first sort of like true blue like true souls born game that has started the whole souls borns but i loved it i thought it was brilliant it was hard as hell and uh it really kicked my ass but when dark souls came out i picked up dark souls immediately because i was like this Hmm. just looks like more and better and uh and then dark souls 2 came out a bit of a flop but I, I still enjoyed it um but bloodborne uh it just nailed everything i just loved absolutely everything about blood bloodborne and uh still i still go back to it more more than the others i think uh bloodborne and dark souls 1 are my most played in the series and then so i just in the last year and a half really broke broke the seal and like finally figured out these games yeah and it was a slow build-up hollow knight got me used to the idea of going back and getting my stuff yeah then you go and play jedi fallen order you get good (laughs) at the quarrying then you get sekiro why i chose sekiro first the grappling hook the vibe the parrying system so for me, like, I could have played Sekiro over and over again for the rest of my life. But then I played Dark Souls. And I think Dark Souls is better than Sekiro, in my estimation, just purely as, like, it feels so expansive in what you can do in it. And I I don't know. I fell in love with that game, and it took me a long time to play through it. Like, it took me most of the last year in 2021 to play through it but yeah i bloodborne is like if if i had i don't know about frame rate that much like i can just picture myself getting really frustrated with long load times and choppy frames in a souls game because all i've ever known is playing them on the xbox series x more or less and so like if i die i basically 
like the loading screen is negligible yeah. and I'm back at it, which is entirely the reason I was able to do Hollow Knight or a game like Super Meat Boy back in the day where like you die and you're back at it like over and over and over again helps me get over the frustration much more quickly than if I have to sit and like uh, look at what you did basically is what I feel like <laughs> they I, do when you're stuck at the loading screen. I have a slight disagreement. So I have been play- playing uh, some of the games on the PS5. The loading time is is pretty neglig- negligible, but mm-hmm. it kind of, I'm kind of disappointed in that because the loading screens always had lore dumps. And oh, yeah. while I don't like pausing the game well you don't pause the games i don't like stopping playing to jump into lore i find that little breather after like you've died and you have to like okay recollect your thoughts you're angry because you died now you got to go back and redo all this stuff but now you get to read through some lore oh this is interesting and then it's sort of like sort that's my moment to read through lore and that's Mm. my moment to like piece together the story while while all the while playing i'm in the mode of like i've okay i've got i know i've got this monster i know i've got this trap up ahead i know i've got i've got to be prepared for this action sequence um and stuff Mm. like that and so every time i die and i think that's why the games are so brilliant you're intended to lose in them you are intended to play it over and over these sections over and over just like you used to play your nes games your old Nintendo, your old Sega Genesis games, you lose that level, you have to do the whole level all over again. So it really gets you into that mindset at the same time, keeping the story loose and ambiguous enough that you have to sit there and read through some of the items. But you get that information while you wait. And I think that's like that that payoff has always been what has excited me about it. Uh, Mm. The lore in Dark Souls 1, absolutely superb when you start to piece it all together i think it's just an incredible story um and then bloodborne on par if not better i think it's just the mint like the the sort of eldritch horror that that the game puts you through and how how like when you progress through the game you start to see more things is mm. such a fascinating concept so I am I'm very excited to see what they do, how they did it, because I, I've seen I remember seeing the trailer a while back for it, but I kind of like skim past everything. I don't have a PC. I'll never uh, I'll never be able to play this on PC. Um, however, I just recently purchased a PC. I pick it up tomorrow. Oh, no uh, it's an old it's a refurbished PC. It's not not anything fancy at all, but I will be able to play some pc low-end pc games so i'm excited to give it a shot now yeah i uh i'm excited to hear specifically what you think um because i would be approaching it as a lay person in terms of blood burn uh knowledge um god i just love the screenshots of this anyways you could go on (laughs) um i i once you start drinking the the kool-aid of the from soft kool-aid it's like impossible to escape it it Gives you brain worms. They're the mm-hmm. best brain worms of all time. This so because there's so much ambiguity to those ser- that series. So there's so much you can extrapolate, and mm-hmm. uh, and still be wrong. So it's so fun to talk about yeah. it. It leaves the room for your brain to fill in the gaps and use creativity and imagination, which is I think rarer and rarer, but was always part of game stories when they were less fleshed out back in the day. Uh, to highlight mm-hmm. the NES mentality again. 
Um, speaking of old school games, uh, the last story I wanted to round up was that uh, Ryan Dinsdale, a name I have really heard before from IGN, uh, says that Square Enix is teasing even more Final Fantasy VII spinoffs. Um, creative director Tetsuya Nomura uh, tweeted out a big anniversary message today for the 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy VII. Um, and the long and short of it is please expect more Final Fantasy spinoffs from Final Fantasy VII in the near future. Um, when I was when I was a child, if you had told me they were going to make 10 million Final Fantasy VII games, I would have been in love. I'd have been like, wow, I can't believe it. They really know that Cloud is the best boy, and Tifa and Ares. Ares? 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 Aerith. Aerith. Oh, Aerith. I know Aerith. Aerith. Like, Aerith was Aerith. I was trying to get into the, the you know, 10-year-old Chris mindset. Yeah. Aerith and uh, Yuffie, my favorite best girl, you know, Vincent, Red 13. Um, but at a certain point, it's it's getting a little tiresome for me to see that they keep spinning things out of that world. Um, but I did love seven remake i think seven remake part one or whatever we want to call it is a, a very good reimagination of that game and something that 10 year old chris dreamed of ever since a playstation 2 was a thing he knew existed um and so I, i'm curious to hear you know what's your relationship with uh the oeuvre of final fantasy 7 at this point it's its own set of works almost yeah i i played it back in the day i I'm going to be honest, not my favorite. It's not even my second favorite. It's it's, not, it's like third, baby, maybe fourth. But I do Final love Fantasy. it. Final Fantasy. Yeah, Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go nine and six are right at the top for me. So I think it's nine, six, maybe seven. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I'm not going to go into a whole thing. But definitely, um, I do love seven. I do have a, a, a uh, an appreciation for it. Um, but yeah, I think too much of a good thing is a bad thing. I was ex- very disappointed that they made a 10 two, and that's when I started to have my doubts with the series of Final Fantasy. And, uh, I always felt they were never really supposed to have more of a story told. I felt like they, the, each game had their own conclusions and their own climaxes, whether it's good or bad. And we kind of just move on and we think of a new story. Mm-hmm. And so I was always about looking forward to the next the next thing. Right. But. Uh, yeah, seeing <laughs> I kind of feel like. Um, Final Fantasy seven is just like this golden goose that they just keep squeezing eggs out of because the fan base is there. And honestly, to too much of a good thing's a bad thing. Yeah, you you bought the twenty pound bag of jelly beans from the store, but you're halfway through and you're you feel sick to your stomach. So uh, maybe maybe it wasn't a good choice. Uh, the uh, uh, what is it? The dec- decreasing marginal benefit to pull my economic degree out of my ass again. Oh my um, god. Anyways, um, I do want to point out I I didn't catch this in the note the first time, but. It, Final Fantasy VII was released on the 10th anniversary of Final Fantasy, which means it's also the 35th anniversary of Final Fantasy this year. 
Um, I hope that means that there's some exciting stuff in store for that as well. Um, but I'm pretty excited about Remake Part 2, just in the sense that I... I did you play Remake? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I'm talking about <laughs> them the, milking Final yeah. Fantasy VII, but Remake the, Part 2 was, or Part 1 was really good. The ending of it made me so angry, and I just want to know what's happening. That's all I'll say. Oh, I, I loved it. I thought I, I was right on board. I... <laughs> I'm I'm glad they did something different. I've already played I've yeah. played Final no, Fantasy VII. I, I like the idea that it's going somewhere new. I didn't yeah. like the Tetsuya Nomura Kingdom Hearts ass final boss fight. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to jump to is um, just a real quick hit um, for the mostly normal question. Wanted to fuse in Angie's idea for a little indie spotlight every week. Um, and say uh, this week's spotlight is going to get shined on Yacht Club Games, who you may know of Shovel Knight fame. Um, they're at Yacht Club Games on Twitter. Um, tomorrow, as we record this, is going to be the Yacht Club Games Presents, uh, which is going to be part of an X, X Play stream or something like that uh, through G4 TV. Um, and I was just going to see if you had any predictions, because uh, I love making predictions at the start of a week that are wrong by the time we post. <laughs> so that people can hang us out for dry in the comments. Um, if you have any predictions for what you might see or might want to see from Yacht Club Games Presents. Uh, it's, uh, let's see. Spectre Knight 2. Um, Shovel Knight 2. Uh, King of Cards 2. <laughs> Plague Knight 2. No, I'm uh, honestly, any more content from sh that Shovel Knight universe, I absolutely love it. I'm on board with but uh, I'm also on board with what they've produced. They did that Cyber Ninja game, um, yeah, Cyber, yeah. Shadow. Cyber Shadow. Yeah, and that was really good. I don't, you know what? Now that I think of it, I don't think I finished it. So <laughs> I think it's leaving Game Pass soon. So oh, I have it on my Switch. So right, I'm, go yeah, I'm golden. <laughs> um, I don't really have a ton of predictions, but I, I know Scuttlebutt and the excitement around this is like, could this be when they? they venture into the 3d realm, you know, like oh. they did such a great homage to the, you know, eight bit, 16 bit blurring the lines a little bit in terms of mechanics realm with shovel Knight. Like what would it be like to have them go back and, you know, uh, to call on the previous news story, <laughs> like do a PlayStation one style game. You know, yeah. Really get that low poly um, kind of 3d thing or N64 and game. I think it'd be really cool to see, how they approach it because i think they and granted i wasn't a huge nes era gamer but i think they really drew on the essence of what it feels like to look back on the nes era with shovel knight and so i would want to see what it's like for them using that lens to look back on the playstation one era or on the n64 i mean they're the same era but different amounts of polygons um, and yeah i i'm excited that there's hopefully going to be some more stuff coming out of them because I think they're a really sharp set of developers. Mm -hmm. That's going to do it this week. James, thank you so much for joining me and bearing with the blue screen of death and technical difficulties. No problem. Um, <laughs> would you let people know where they can keep up with you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at ButlordPrimus. Rock um, and roll. Yeah. 
Uh, you can also uh, catch me on Twitch. Be at um, uh, b or what is it? Twitch.tv slash blp entertainment. So yeah. I stream. I stream on Mondays and Wednesdays, and sometimes whenever I feel. But uh, usually in the evenings on Pacific uh, Standard Time. So if you're <laughs> If you're on the West Coast, then it's easy to find me. If you're not, then it's a little bit trickier. But uh, yeah, I stream uh, games that I want to play as well as weird games that people don't normally um, know about. Uh, stuff from Karnov to uh, maybe Golgo 13 or what's another one? Star Tropics. I was playing Star Tropics a while back. Oh, so cool. I love old games. I love weird games. So I know I did a beautiful Joe run. So you want to hang out, talk video games and just, I don't know, just watch, watch the shit that I grew up with and fell in love with. If you're ever streaming beautiful Joe again, please let me know. And I will. Oh, for sure. Because that series is an all timer. It's so good. Um, you can find me at VG Occasion on Twitter, uh, where I occasionally tweet about video games. <laughs> um, if you want to contribute to the content, you can uh, by sending emails to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com, following us on Twitter at MNGamersPodcast. You can sign up for the on hiatus until further notice, mostly normal monthly at MNGamersSubstance.com. And please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. This now includes Spotify, where they've implemented podcast reviews. Um, it helps people discover and grow the show. Uh, and with that, let's go play some games. And I'm going to get ready for bed because I'm an old, old man. And it's in the Midwest. Bye. Bye. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs>